Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello there and welcome to another episode of Ayers on the Road. And actually, Linda's on the road today and I'm at home and we're connecting up on a three-way Skype call to do this broadcast. And we're very fortunate that we've got a couple of special guests that I'll introduce in just a moment. We're going to have an interesting discussion today because we're going to talk about managing our kids' screen time and technology. It seems like wherever Linda and I go, the first question when we open it up in a parenting presentation or a speech it's always about technology. How do I limit screen time? What is the what is the smartphone doing to my child's brain? What are we going to do to get our kids back outside exercising? How do I manage the, the social media and how do I know who they're in touch with? And the questions are endless in their variety, but they all relate to the question of how can a parent manage the screen time and technology of a child. And I wanted to just uh, read you quickly something that we're sending out this week in our Deseret News article. And then I want to call on some experts to help me with this. But here's, here's a little list just to jump right into the topic. And we want to react to some of these things as we get talking to Linda and two of our daughters. Number one, have an enforceable limit on screen time. Talk it over with your kids, starting with what the dangers are and what it can keep them from. Welcome their inputs and tell them that you will be the one setting limits, but you want them to participate. Number two, don't let kids have their laptops or their smartphones in their rooms. Use them in the family room or the kitchen or other public parts of the home and leave them there when the kids go to bed or go to their rooms. Number three, don't let kids under 14 have a smartphone. If you want to be able to reach your kids and if you want them to be able to contact you, get them a dumb phone, one of those old flip phones, anything that doesn't have smartphone capabilities, just a dumb phone that they can call or text from. Number four, have a Wi-Fi router in your home that you can turn off when you don't want anyone online, like dinner time or after bedtime. Number five, in a family meeting, discuss what social media is allowed in your family and what is not and why. Discuss what is inappropriate and unacceptable online and in social media and make a list of what is and is not allowed online by family members. And again, the key here is getting the kids involved in that discussion. Number six, in another family meeting, talk together about the pros and cons of technology and of social media. Get the kids involved in a discussion of how their brains work and how social media can impact them. Talk together about the addictions that can come about and how you know when you are addicted to screen time. Just two more. Number seven, set the example. If you put your phone away in the evenings and limit your time online, your kids will notice and both the dis discussion and the discipline will come more naturally for them. And lastly, number eight, consider setting up a technology contract that actually lays out what gadgets kids can have and when, who will pay for them, who will pay for the, the, the monthly bill, who will, uh, and for the supporting Wi-Fi that goes with it. 
and really get it out there on the table where it's an open discussion and where you can create a family policy in writing that the kids may actually even sign. Now, having thrown that out and probably raised more questions than I've answered, let me say Linda is in Southern California with Shawnee and with Sadie, both of whom know much more about this subject than we do. So introduce those two daughters and let's get into a discussion of what I've just listed. Well, these two really, um, the, the reason they're experts is because they have, they're living with children and um, who use technology every day. And so I think it's really important to hear from them because they have some really interesting perspectives. So, Sadie, you want to start? I'm Sadie Shumway. I just um, I have four kids. Just moved to Utah from Boston. And my kids are eight. The oldest is 13. The youngest is six. So we're not completely into the phone part of screen time, but um, we are, we've kind of battled the other stuff. So, so I'm Shawnee, and I have got... Five kids ranging from age 20 down to age 11. And we have noticed a significant difference with kids. Um, our older two kids have been kind of unfazed by technology, but our next two have been really captured by it. And we are, um, you know, it's a struggle every day. I think it is for all of us parents with kids these ages. So I think you should just take it. You heard that, that list. Uh, what do you think? What do you, how do you respond to that, Sadie? I don't know. You kind of said it all right there. Um, it was interesting, actually. We had a whole year just recently on a farm in California where we had no screens. And um, there were a lot of really great things from that came of that. I actually loved it. One thing I think is really interesting, though, is there was one day where a friend brought over an Xbox. And for one hour, my six-year-old played on the Xbox. And now if anyone asks him what his favorite part was about the farm, this 10 year, 10, 10, 9, 11 months on the farm, he says the Xbox. Oh, so I just think it's really interesting to note that kids' brains are wired to want to sort of zone out and be on screens. It's something that's really exciting for their brains. And it's not all bad, but it's something that's definitely like stands out with the rest from the rest of their life. But... I just think it's so important to understand, and especially for them to understand how it uh, affects their brains. You know, at a young age, the six-year-old can't really understand how it affects their brains, but they're, you know, the thirteen-year-old can. So, I think that's one of the, that's one of my. I think the goal is for them to understand it and to for them to set their own sort of limits if they can. You know, every child's different, but. Well, let me just jump in and say, you know, that it's there. There's so many good articles on this, and we're going to put on line a reference to one of your blog entries Shani where you discuss this subject pretty thoroughly and where you reference an article from Atlantic magazine which is it's almost it's almost frightening in a in a sort of a visceral way because it basically aligns the uh, increase in smartphones with the increase in teen depression and teen suicide and a lot of other really uh, remarkable correlations and it, it's it's one of these things we can't ignore it's one of these things that uh, we're worried not only about the effect of too much screen time and technology we're so worried about what it keep keeps kids away from one of the points in this Atlantic magazine article that all of you listening are going to be able to reference by going to Shawnee's blog is that it talks about the decline in, in outdoor activity, the decline in athletics, the decline in dating, 
the decline, the decline in driving and getting driver's licenses and going to college. Right, right. It's just, it, it consumes. So, I, I mean, I think we have to think of this in two, in two sort of modules. What does that screen time and technology do to our kids' brains? But also, what does it keep them from and eliminate in their lives because it becomes so pervasive? Yeah, and one of the things that eliminates is, I was talking to my daughter about this, is boredom. When you have a screen, you're rarely bored. I mean, you're going to the screen because you're bored, but your brain is not free to like experience that like sort of silence of there's nothing, and I just have to be okay. I have to be in my own in my own head. I've got to figure out something else to do. I've got to go outside. So like a lot of my childhood was sort of directed by me trying to figure out what to do. And I think you know she said that's what I loved about being on the farm is I was bored a lot, and it made me create new things to do. This is your daughter, say, uh, Hazel, right, Sadie? Yeah, yeah. Who's 13. 13 who, yeah. I think it's amazingly mature that she recognized the virtue of boredom, the, the, the fact that the creativity comes when you free your mind and that technology never allows that opening of, of creativity because your mind's always occupied. I also think the biggest, one of the biggest declines is um, in real connection. Um, you know, they think these kids think that they're connected with so many people, hundreds of people who are following them or they're following. And um, there's not the real connection in my mind. Maybe I'm old fashioned, but I just feel like it's super it's so important to have those connections. And I think that they don't they don't feel that need anymore because they feel pseudo connected to all these people online. But um, I think one of the things that struck me most about what the list you just read is how many meetings you mentioned. And, you know, you got to have a meeting about this and then you got to have a meeting about this and you got to have a meeting about this. But it's real. I mean, I feel like the, the discussion always has to be ongoing. It really does. And it, and, and it does need to be broken into different things because there's a lot to talk about. But one thing that we've done in our family is we've limited. Um, there's a new app that we just put on our kids phones called our pact. And it's a great app and you can just turn off apps whenever you want to. And I, I think kids want that help because if they just have the whole world open to them, I mean, this is going into very um, one little idea, but I, I think if that whole internet world is open unto them, they cannot, they, they really can't control it. They're not old enough to really control it. And so both of my girls who are still home now, who have cell phones have come to me different times and just said, thank you so much for putting that on my phone. One of them said, I, I know I wouldn't have been able to finish my homework if, if I had my apps on, even though I, I know that I want to keep my phone away from me and everything. I, I wouldn't have been able to turn in that assignment in time. And the other one said, Mom, thank you so much for putting that on. My friend told me the other day that um, she had her phone in her bedroom and she was up for until three in the morning just doing things on her phone. And she was so tired the next day. And she just said, I'm so thankful that we plug in our phones in the kitchen every night and that we that you turn off our apps because I need help on that. That's Good. I think that Shawnee's hit a key here. I think that kids really, their brains, I mean, even as adults, it's a battle, right? It's a battle to sort of fight this addiction of screens and phones. But I think kids, especially, their brains are developing and they actually do not have the capacity to limit that um, themselves. And, and also, I think with brain development, their brains are also developing in screens and technology and social media affects the way their brains develop. And I think that's a powerful tool for some kids that they can understand 
those two things, number one, their brain's not developed enough to, to handle the addiction that can come with this. And number two, it will actually alter the way their brain develops. I think that can be a powerful sort of motivation for them to want to um, limit this and figure this out. And I think if a parent, you know, I mean, it's it's not up to you as a parent to sit a kid down and say, listen, I happen to know your frontal lobe of your brain's not developed yet. And so I want to have you limit your technology. I think it, it's wise with it, with someone who's conceptual as a child, whether they're 12 or 13 or 14 or whatever, to actually respect them enough to to read them the paragraphs from the Atlantic article or from other places that are that are scientific so they know you're quoting a real source and that your concern is factually based and I think what I hear both of you saying is that kids um, it may be subliminal in some of them but they they probably feel a need whether they've ever expressed it or not to to be a little more in control of their brains and of their minds than they are with screen time and if you give them a chance to open it up i, I think was it you one of you said to me the other day you, you put a a list of pros and cons and develop that list with the kids what are the pros of technology well there's so many good things that they can list what are the cons what are the the throwbacks and draw it out from them what what is it keeping them from what what effect is it having on them that they don't like and so on and sort of set it up as a discussion where they're a participant and and i think we've seen linda in, in our travels a lot of negative results of parents who just lay down the law without really any discussion with the kids about the whys and hows and 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 the the feelings that the kids themselves are having yeah, that's really true, and this is a fascinating conversation. We hope that you'll hang on because we'll be back uh, to discuss this more in just a minute. We'll take a brief break and be right back on Iris on the Road. And we're back on Iris on the Road. We have the distinct privilege of having not only Linda on the line from California on a trip she's on with three of our daughters, but we have... Shawnee Pothier, our second daughter, and Sadie Shumway, our third daughter. And let me throw it right back to you. You were right in the middle of some things when we went to break. Yeah, they have on the ground knowledge about technology because they all they have children in their home and there. It's really a widespread too, from a six-year-old to a twenty-year-old. So, um, what do you think? I mean, this really is so crucial, Sadie. Well, we were just talking before the break about how um, important it is for kids sort of take ownership on, over this. You know, we can, that list that you read at the beginning was great, Dad, but we can, as parents, lay down such a long list of things that they can or they can't do, but I think sometimes that's just a recipe for rebellion. I think really the goal and the objective here is for us to help, help our kids understand this concept and the dangers and the pros and the cons and their brains and how they're developing in a way where they can make uh, good decisions about how to use screens and how to use social media in their lives. Um, I had a friend who told me that her daughter um, just decided, you know, she's 15, 14. She just decided, you know, I'm tired of this, these social media apps and she deleted them all. She deleted her Instagram account. She deleted everything except for I think she has Snapchat and she only follows her cousins or something like that. And I, I mean, that's something that she came up with by herself, which I think is that is powerful. Like, I mean, that's sort of extreme. She's a very too. mature. And she's mature. And, and I think all kids won't come to that. But I think they're more likely to come to some of that 
sort of self-control if they understand. I think as teenagers, I remember as a teenager, I wanted to know why for everything. Anytime someone told me don't do this, I didn't, you know, if I saw a sign that said don't enter, I would enter, you know, but if people understand, if I could understand why don't enter, because if you walk through that door, you're going to fall off a cliff, then I could understand, you know, I could understand that. So I just think that it's so important for our kids to understand why. And I think kids, and especially teenagers, are sponges for, if they want to know how their brains work and how their bodies work and how addiction works. And it's like they're really in this curious state. And I think if we can help them really understand that with a lot of backed up statistics and things like that, not really scare them, but I think just understand they're going to be much better off with a lot of things, not just screens and technology and social media. Um, Shani, I'd like to hear you say more about this app because so many people have mentioned this. It's called My Pact, Our Pact, Our Pact, Our Pact, O-U-R. <clears throat> yeah, and it's a great app. I think there's quite a few similar things that people use, and I, I don't know that it's the actual app that makes the difference. It's just find something that you can help your kids make those decisions and just be like the crutches for a little bit to try to help them figure it out because eventually they are going to leave our homes and they are going to have to be I, technology isn't going away and i think it's it's the parents job to figure out how much and how soon to give it to them and how to train them to use it um responsibly and, and in a way that will make them happier in the long run instead of more secluded and alone our pack do i mean how can you turn off their how does that work? So it just, you connect your phone, you get the app on your phone and you connect your phone to theirs and you set certain hours that they can be on. And there's another one. My friend told me that she did it with her kids. It's called Moment. And they, in their family, they all put it on their phone and it keeps track of all the minutes that you're on your phone every day. And so they had contests to see who could be off their phone the most. And another friend doesn't let any phones be out at all on Sunday. Uh, another, I mean, everyone has their own ways of dealing with things and helping to tame this social crazy media monster. craze. <laughs> the important thing is to have those discussions as a family. And, and like Sadie said, to really let kids take the lead um, with, give them the knowledge that they can eventually make great decisions and, and let them make some bad decisions too. I mean, my daughter had an iPod touch and when she was 11, we gave her one. She was really wanting one. And we really limited how, what, how many apps she could have on it and things like this. But after a while, she's like, Mom, when I'm at school, I think about playing this. I don't even know what game it was, Tetris, something different. But I think about it, and I don't like that. And so she kept giving back to us. Please don't give this to me, she'd say, for a week. And then she'd want it back. And eventually, she was just like, you know, I don't like this battle anymore. So I think that that sort of awareness of when she could feel that it was pulling to her was was really crucial for her. But, you know, like we keep saying, every child is different. And I referenced this friend of mine's daughter who decided to delete all of her stuff. That's that's not necessarily the goal. The goal is just that kids experiment under our roof, figure it out, that we're talking to them, there's an open dialogue, that they're understanding what this power can do for good and for bad in their lives um, for themselves so that when they go out into the world, they can sort of make their own call when they these same kind of things. You know, this is, I think this is the most interesting topic for parenting because when I think about how you raised us, mom, you raised us with a typewriter and a, yeah. and a TV and, you know, VCR it was the same thing that you were raised with. You had a typewriter when you were growing up, you had a TV, you know, but now we're raising our kids with this multitude of things that we don't really understand how they work. And so it's, it, we sometimes can be a little bit afraid, but I think it's just really important that the dialogue is really open. 
let me come back in for a minute and, and say that I think I think that's the key message so far is getting kids who are old enough to comprehend 12, 13, 14 year olds involved in the conversation and part of the decisions that are made. But let's go back to a little younger kids and, and let's let's talk a little about some absolute limits. I mean, I think we would all agree that kids should not have their devices in their room overnight. I think there are certain things that, that should be laid down as rules within a family. And, and I think the, the biggest, the single number one question we get is what age, at what age does a child get to have a smartphone? And, and in this article we've been working on, we just we, we've, we've, we think that it, you know, we haven't seen very much good come out of kids under 14 having a smartphone. Of course, they ought to be able to reach their parents in an emergency, but a dumb phone will do that, just any, any phone. And when do you think they should have a smartphone and what things do you have to lay down as rules for younger kids? Because, you know, we're, we're talking about you've all seen the three-year-old who can already handle a smartphone. I mean, it's, it's a young age. What is the sequence, do you think? And, and when should kids be able to have any kind of a device? Let me just hop in for just one second and say, I have never been so grateful for anything as an iPhone to hand to a two-year-old at a restaurant who was having a meltdown than to have Peekaboo Barn on my phone and hand it to them. I mean, it totally calms their spirit and their, you know, their, their emergency times when they have to have it. Yeah, but you're also the grandma. And that's right. You know, and so you're not with them very often. And I feel like if that's a crutch that you're handing your kid a phone every time they're having a meltdown, they're not ever able to figure out how to have that meltdown without a screen. Well, not not every time, but on an airplane, you know, when they're yeah. interrupting the whole group or, you know, in a restaurant where yeah, desperate times, desperate times. Yeah. But I think you've got to be careful because as a mom, there are a lot, you feel like there's a lot yeah, of desperate right. times, you know? And so I don't know, I'm probably at the, of the camp where I, I really don't give, give my kids screens very often at all, because I feel like that frees up their brain to figure out something else to calm their, their minds down or, you know, engage in. I I think, did you wait until you were 14? Well, I actually am thinking about that 14. My, my youngest, well, my fourth child just turned 14 and she's had a phone for a little while. I think maybe we waited till she was 13. So I'm curious how you came up with the 14 age, but I do think it's really, and I, I think it's great because I, I wish I would have waited. I think anyone who gives their phone too early, I and in fact, I have a sister-in-law who asked for a recommendation. Her daughter's just a little younger than that 14-year-old. And she asked all of us sister-in-laws who are older when we should give, when we wanted to give kids phones. And we all said without fail, wait as long as you possibly can. And then one by one, we gave our kids cell phones earlier than she was ready to give hers one. And I, and she said, why is that? And I think there is something so wonderful about a cell phone. There's, I love to feel connected with my kids. I love to be able to text them. I love that they can send me a picture of what they're doing. There's some wonderful, great things with cell phones. And yeah. I think that that's, it's, it, you know, it's so easy to get into this framework. Well, they're evil and they're taking away our kids. And, but, but really both are true. Both are great and, and they are bad in so many ways as well. But let's differentiate that, I mean, uh, when we say a cell phone, 
you know, there. believe it or not, some people have never actually seen a dumb phone. I call it a dumb phone. It's just a flip phone or a phone you can call on or text on, but you can't do any online stuff. You can't do social media. And I really think that's a good intermediate step for parents who want to be able to reach their child. I, I would advocate even a, a child as young as seven or eight could have a little phone. And, and by the way, there are also phones that will only call one number, and that's the home number, and can only receive calls from one number. So I don't think we're lumping everything together. But when we, the dangers we're talking about, I think we're in agreement, are smartphones with social media on them and with and browsers. the internet and games, right? And I think what we're not we're not addressing here is that there is a very different way of communicating in this day and age than there was when we were younger. And um, a lot of I do have one friend one fam, friend family who's done the dumb phones, and I think that's great. And I and I actually looked for those, and they're, they're hard, hard to, to find. find. But I do feel like um, kids miss kids. It, it's the way to communicate. Kids miss out on a lot of things. There's group texts that go around. That, that's that's how people get together. Right, and you can't do those on dumb phones, right? You can't do that on dumb phones. And you can't, there's church things that kids miss out on. There's friend things. There's all things. But is that bad? I don't, I don't think that there's a certain, there's a certain line to be drawn that it's okay. It's okay if they miss things. And we just have to be aware of that as parents, that they are going to miss some things. Yeah. And that's a good thing in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of hard for kids too. And it's a different generation. Um, I think there's also a medium in there where you can give your kids a smartphone, but you can just have the password. So the only thing that they can download on that smartphone is the things that you say they can download. So they can have a smartphone with the capacity to text you or to use a map, you know, or to, you know, do certain things, but they can have no apps on it. They have, can have no internet on it. They can have no social media on it. You know, that's another option I think out there because dumb phones are hard to find and they actually are pretty dumb and hard to type on and, you know, it makes it harder for you to use the positive aspects of having, having your child have a phone. You know, okay, that's good. And we're down to just a couple of minutes, but let's each just make maybe a, a closing statement. And, and I just want to say this. I think, Linda, you'd agree, as we've talked to parents all around the world, there are actually a lot of positive, effective strategies for technology and screen time. Uh, and they vary quite a bit. But what we've noticed is the, the parents who have a strategy who've thought it through and come up with a way to discuss it and a way to set limits and so on, they're doing much better than the parents who have no strategy, who are just sort of falling into it, who are just trying to make it up as they go along. And so I think my bottom line would be read the material we're going to put online, uh, go to byuradio.org and you'll find this uh, entry from your blog, Shani, that's a, a thorough discussion of a lot of these issues. Read the materials as a parent. Come up with your own strategy and be flexible and maybe adjust it as it goes along, but have a strategy. Don't just let it go. I just say amen to have a strategy because, and it needs to be with your kids and it needs to be a constant discussion. My daughter rolled her eyes at me the other day because I brought up something else to do with cell phones and but deep down, I know she's really thankful because she's thanked me a few times for different discussions. So I think the conversation just needs to always be open and the good and the bad and the ugly and discuss it all and be on board together with what the what you're going to do in your own family. And I like together. I think that we didn't really talk about as much, but I think you modeling sort of good behavior on phones and, and media and 
and screens and TV and all that stuff, I think our kids are going to copy exactly what we see, which is the scariest part about this because I feel like I'm addicted to my phone sometimes. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and I have to just give a shout out to the grandmothers out there. Learn a little bit more about technology <laughs> and learn how to communicate with your grandchildren. Um, that way I have a fun little grand, uh, a friend who says, I just tease my teenagers. I text them and say, hey, you want me to come down and join you at lunch at the high school? And, you know, just they have a fun time with it. So, you know, just do what you can to be more involved and be um, up with what's going on because it's a different world. Thank you so much, ladies. Have a great time down there. I miss all of you and all of you listeners. We'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Bye-bye. <laughs>